0: What is up, Asymmetry listeners? I'm I'm very proud of a lot of the podcasts we put out, but I don't know that I've had a more enjoyable experience podcasting than this one. This was a special experience. Uh, David Siegel and uh, very talented artist in Australia, Hugh Grant, took Jedi Lime and myself to Bodai National Park to look at some ancient gum trees and... The experience anytime you get to see ancient in its purest form in untouched natural environments is phenomenal. But beyond getting to witness these ancient masterpieces, we also had this perfect day. No wind, the ocean crashing below the outcropping that we were sitting on looking along the Australian coast coast and we took the opportunity to just have a really beautiful conversation about bonsai some theory um the application of culture to the evolution of the art form and david hugh lyman myself beyond just a great conversation it it was an absolutely magical day um but i this one stands out to me as a special one i think the conversation is, is brilliant, the setting was brilliant, and what came from it was just a real positive collaboration of ideas. Uh, I hope you guys dig into this one and, and sit back and relax and enjoy, but um, you know, if only I could share what it was like to be there at that moment, I will cherish this one in my brain bank of memories forever. Have a good listen. What park are we in?
1: Well, what park is this?
0: Budai National Park. Budai? Budai.
1: Budah! Yeah, Bu- Budai. Budai.
0: And we're Central Coast or Gold Coast? Central Coast. Central, Central Coast. Coast. Central Coast. Definitely not the Gold Coast. Representing what, what? And what did we come here for today? Um, we came to find some pretty cool old growth Angothra trees. Angothra oh, castata. <laughs> <laughs> Which were pretty wild. Mm. Pretty wild. What did you think, Ryan? They really looked like um, some of the big old versions of the California sycamores. Oh, yeah. They have that kind of vibe. That kind of does have that Mm -hmm. look. Sycamore. Yeah. That real massive kind of twisted, contorted vibe. But the way they... Oh, like a sycamore is like... Sycamore. 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 Yeah. Platanus. Ah, yeah. They grow those around Sydney. You know, know, David, all the street trees that are around Sydney? Yeah, like the yep. big with the big mm. maple leaf looking. Mm. They've got like a maple leaf, do they? Mm. They have that. They have the same kind of big, smooth, exfoliating, generally smooth exfoliating bark, but that kind of real knobby, rounded, aggressive growth. Mm-hmm. The way that these angophras engulf the rock is pretty fascinating, though. Mm. Almost, yeah, almost fig-like the way that they fig-like. so yeah. aggressively yeah. attach yeah. themselves and. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a trident maple planted on a rock. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's almost <laughs> like they're kissing the rocks, though. They're like, oh. I thought it looked like an alien that was swallowing the <laughs> rock, personally. Should we back up and wish Hugh happy birthday? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. My boy Hugh, <laughs> 18, in the house. <sighs> Thank 25 cute. years old. Yep. Happy birthday, yep. man. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. What
1: a special moment, brother. It's
0: good to have you guys here. What? It's all it, well, out, didn't it? it worked <laughs> out <laughs> in out the route. end. Worked out smoothly.
1: Ryan's got the day. We're just Swimily. chilling.
0: Yeah, this is great. What a perfect time. Looking out over the um, eucalyptus forest as the bank kind of declines, drops into the ocean. So, so many interesting forms in the branching of the trees. They almost look like little, like... Fingers mm. Mm. Oh. of structure everywhere.
1: Just standing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just like sky. a whole, it's like yeah. a
0: bunch of, um, yeah. So many lines visible on all the Australian trees. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, uh, there's this guy named uh, Will Fletcher in Tasmania from Hobart. Um, and he, I was speaking with Jared one day about eucalypts, Jared Bailey from Tassie, and, um, he, Will Fletcher, sort of coined the term that, Eucalyptus take on a parachute foliar platform.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm,
1: That's right.
0: I thought that was, that's absolutely perfect way to describe it. Parachute, yeah, that's really nice, isn't it? Because you have all these like fine ramifying pieces that all sort of meet the same point and then have this mushroom-like dome on top of them to hold that foliar mess. It's shocking how many different varieties are in one single ecosystem together. It's not like it, it's not like just one species of eucalyptus. There's how many species do you think are in this whole area right now? In this area? Mm. Hmm. Oh, I'm probably going to mutilate this cuz I have no idea, but I'm going to guess. There'd be at least a dozen, I'd say. Of just eucalyptus or of all yeah. the plants that are there. Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Yeah. There's yeah. usually many in one area. That's amazing. Yeah. It's cool to see the difference between all of them. Mm. You said, the appropriate uh, w- Latin name is Angangofora. Angophora. Angangofora. Angophora. Angophora. I'm not exactly sure what this is the best way to pronounce it. I, li- I like Angophora. It's nice. It's um, it's such a different experience to see an ancient tree, though. Mm. They, they just pack such a bigger presence. Life and forests energy are amazing. Forests are amazing, but the anomalies of antiquity are mm-hmm. definitely far more captivating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these ones are quite incredible. I think being on this ridge here... Makes them especially abrupt. Did you notice all the branches were all like moving away from where we're sitting now? Yeah. Really, like quite intensely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's no well, denying which yeah, way they. Weather
1: can get gnarly the, up here.
0: The really, the really big one that we saw, just that almost straight up trunk, and then all of a sudden, boom, the whole tree like laid over right yeah. with the contour of the land. That was, yeah. You can it's almost like, see like the flap of like a wind gust. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sheets in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, crazy so this coastline just gets hammered huh yeah well i guess on the coast you get wind um and if there's a if there's a, a system coming from off the coast it's going to get pretty windy here like like you can sort of you can sort of see the trajectory of the wind coming quite abruptly sort of up those cliffs yeah yeah it's got a real streamlined effect sort yeah of yeah that's cool uh, it's amazing because there's not an ounce of wind today. No, no, we got. We it's got like the best day ever. This is it, it, literally, I don't know that I've ever had a day at a coast any time in my life that is as pristine as right now. Yeah, like look, look at the trees. There's not one piece uh, of movement. There's at no all. movement. It's, it's like still. a perfect. The sun is a perfect temperature. It's nice and cool in the air.
1: Australia was calling us out here.
0: Man, I tell (laughs) you what. talk to me, please. I tell you what.
1: Come hang out with me for a little bit. Let me show you my beauty.
0: Mm -hmm. It's almost surreal seeing that tree that's obviously so, so, so affected by wind, but to be in a a moment where it's not present, like, it doesn't make Mm. sense for what it's doing, you know? Yeah. Like, it's almost, it's almost, like, surreal, like, looking at that tree and the elemental effects, but on such a lovely, perfect, like, you, you would... Like you'd never expect it on a day like this for Have that tree to take that form. Have you ever been out here when it's super gnarly? Uh, not not particularly crazy gnarly, but um it's usually quite breezy, windy here. So it'd be interesting to experience that tree on its gnarliest day. It's like a crazy storm oh, coming from off the ocean. Dude, when we went to uh <laughs> you would understand it, cow, wouldn't you? <laughs> when we went to the Sierra uh when we went to the um Oh, in Spain to see the Spanish fur. Uh, it was just the whole nature was crapping on us that mm. day. Like in every way, shape, and form. And it was really cool to see the Spanish fur in the element of like severity. Mm. Cause wow. you know, you go you don't go see the bristle cones when it's blizzarding and you don't go see the giant sequoias when there's no, a fresh no. foot of snow on the ground. Like it's just it's just different.
1: Can you even get in there when it does? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You yeah, yeah,
0: can't. can't. Get there. Yeah, true. <laughs> so it was like in Spain. It was like all of a sudden we were just out Oof. there, and it's sleeting and 70 mile an hour winds. And <laughs> dude, it was so gnarly. It was just like, oh, this is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. yeah that's was. a good experience. Cause like, like you say, there's no. Usually, you wouldn't go to those places at the, in that weather. Nope. that's not. That's not when you want to go there. Right. It's like um. I remember in in January we went just down the beach from our house. We went. Uh, we went to the beach and it was like a real like, stormy, interesting day. It was like foggy, big clouds rolling in, heaps of electrical storms. We just decided to wander down to the beach just to go check it out, you know. And there was no one around. It was like apocalyptic, not one car on the road, no one at the beach, of course. And you couldn't even see the water. It was just like this foggy mess and then these green clouds above you and lightning falling out of the sky. And we were there and we we're like, this is hectic, but you would never usually come see this. And it didn't—it didn't quite feel real because you would never go to the beach usually in that weather. But we just decided to go, and it was absolutely mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. Mm. It's humbling too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Don't feel yeah. very big.
0: Man. No. Is there—is there a lot of coastal fog that occurs in this region? Like, mm. do you get that uh, marine layer?
1: The winter morning cool breeze coming in.
0: Yeah, I guess so. A, a bit. Yeah. It would be yeah. pretty wild to be out in in these trees. With fog, it would be actually, that would just be. Yeah. I mean, if you had like if you had like a nice warm light coming through the yeah. fog. Oh man, it would be like a different a lack planet of light background around those amazing trees. It'd be and a different be planet.
1: And as the fog dissipates, watching it, the city co- watch it all come alive. The, mm-hmm. the bay, you yeah, know? yeah, the, the, fog the yellow rocks fl- that we're The fog slowly burns at. off and just kind of moves away.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool yeah see it's interesting because you in those kind of that kind of weather you don't come to places like this you want to hide out in your house and sort of be cozy (laughs) cozy. yeah yeah but like imagine how much of the world we miss because or experiences in the world we miss because we're hiding from weather that doesn't agree with us you know how does this uh these
3: old growth forests compare to how you feel when you walk in forests in your own in america Mm. similar (coughs) or
0: in terms of how it makes you feel yeah, I think every ancient tree has just a presence, man. I mean it's an undeniable, undeniable presence. Anytime that you see it, it does it's very easily identifiable. It's just so grand. And it feels very similar. I mean, I think Point Lobos is is spectacular in in a lot of ways, um, particularly on the on the level that it's slowly disappearing. Um, but each, you know, the bristle cones, the sequoias, the redwoods, they, they all have something magical to give. It's pretty impressive to see these eucalyptus, though. I've always wanted to come because there is a grove of eucalyptus somewhere in Australia that, ha- that is one of the tallest trees in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, the, the ragnans that are eucalyptus ragnans that mm-hmm. are in Tesi. Yeah, they're the f- tallest flowering plants. In uh, the world? In the world, yeah. Second largest, second tallest tree in the world. And uh second only to the coastal redwoods. To the redwoods. Wow. Right. And, and there's there's estimates, um, or there probably were, I can almost guarantee, there were trees that were way taller than the red's are woods are now before they before they logged them. There's um there's articles you can read about in the Dandenong Ranges outside of Melbourne, um, uh, where the ragnans also grow. And there were um records of cut logs that were hundred and thirty something meters long. Excluding what? the stump, the ten meter stump left in the ground. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. And that's probably excluding the crown being removed as well. That is a piece of wild. a tree. Didn't oh, did they God. have a major fire through the through the tallest ones or Yeah, this past this past summer. Yeah. Did it do a lot of damage? I don't know much about um where the tall tallest one is. I, I believe a lot of the forest burned around it. I'm not sure if it's I can't say if it's if if it survived or not. I feel like it did though. Mm. I think there's a lot of protection put on around it. Um, but yeah, the the because the, f- the problem is with these eucalypts is when fire gets into them, fire go. absolutely <laughs> goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, they have because of all of the oils and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Intense amount of oils yeah. in the system. Yeah, but I mean, it's all a mechanism. I mean, any forest yeah. designed to burn has that same like fire retardant exterior bark and then if it gets into the interior where all the all the stuff that allows it to rock Mm. out at that height exists then it starts Mm -hmm. becomes a big problem Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i believe that eucalypt is closing in on a 100 meters or maybe just a little bit more wow yeah which is pretty tall how old do you think that these Engulf, Engulf, yeah, me and Dave were just sort Ingolfra. of pontificating about yeah. that before slightly. What oh, do you think? It's, um, I, I don't know, I don't have a reference as to what, what, what age they could be. I mean, they're definitely hundreds, mm. um, thousands. Mm. I'm not, I'm not completely sure, but it definitely
3: hundreds. Definitely, it's hard to, um, hard to estimate because it seems like everything
0: grows so quickly here. Mm. um, but you can see so much like passing of time on that tree. Like you can see where there was a small branch that's become a big dead branch that's grafted into another branch. And then mm. there's a lot, of, a lot of things that are going on in that tree. Even even the base crawling over the stone half of its hollow it's <clears throat> pretty dramatic. Yeah, the fact that it's hollow actually is interesting. I the base is hollow. Hollow. it's That's burned out. It's yeah. burned out hollowed. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like the it's roots. It's like got this delicate
1: yeah. little pan sitting over it too. So careful not to step on it. I don't know. I double.
0: bet I bet I bet that tree is high hundreds for sure. Yeah. I would I it would have like to imagine.
3: Mm.
0: Were you saying that the
3: um the deadwood gets engulfed by the callus tissue it just basically yeah, slowly w- works
0: its way down until it's yeah, Basically either it rots agree. off or it totally closes over the piece of deadwood. Because did you notice that, um, Matt Ryan, with mm-hmm. the callus was roll like there would be a, a piece of deadwood off the trunk, like a branch, and then the callus would be like rolling down, continuing. It didn't just shut it off at like that collar sort of region. Yeah. It's like full on engulfing the dead branch. Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. I, I like to call them um, Play-Doh trees. Because <laughs> they just do anything they like. <laughs> It's crazy to be looking at Sydney all the way across the.
1: No, we were just. Is over this there.
0: one big massive bay, or is it multiple bays? Yeah, there's multiple bays. This mm. is the this is the biggest one. This I is
1: kind of far away, actually. I looked on a map. This is not that close. So you look the, yeah. the furthest today.
0: point that you see here. We can see the other side of it from my house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you can even see the Centre Point Tower over the landmass oh, on yeah. the right. Just that little. Huh. Little nugget. Pretty cool.
1: I have to say, this is the best view of Sydney I think I could get. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't think it gets much better than this, man.
0: There it is. It looks teeny tiny. Hey, I it. <laughs> the forest looks awesome and massive, comparably.
3: <laughs>
1: I'm going to go climb around on that tree back there.
0: <laughs> hey, Ryan,
3: do you find that um, when you go to places like this that are so unfamiliar, that it has an impact on your on your work? for a period of time. Yeah, I was thinking about that, actually. So I was thinking, I wonder what Ryan's going s- to style next and if we'll be able to see anything that's been influenced <laughs> by his time mm. here, albeit y- brief.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that, actually. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what part of Australian bonsai feels like it, it crosses over with species in the United States, because I, I think it does at some point or somehow, some way. I just don't know how. The parachute dis- description is really nice for the way that the branches are structured. And when you showed me that, what is it, a colitrist? The image mm-hmm. of that colitrist mm-hmm. that was really natural looking? Yeah, yeah. Like the branches on that? That's it's also not, very parachute-ish, isn't it's, it? Yeah, yeah, and same. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and the the big, tall, narrow one in the um, national collection? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So I really feel more connected to the pygmy cypress now. yeah. I feel yeah. there's like... Uh, a level of interpretation that can go between the
0: two. That's cool. I mm, really, yeah.
1: <laughs> the connection, I feel more connected to you
0: through yeah, that. Through the <laughs> pygmy yeah. surface. That's really cool. I mean, they, they come get, from a similar environment to this, don't they? Yeah, the kind of yeah. coastal weather kind of yeah. stays mellow and they yeah. got these
1: little flat tops, kind of, you know? Yeah, poof, yeah. Poof, poof, yeah.
0: Poof. yeah, I feel like it, they might be even similar to the way like a coastal tea tree grows. Mm hmm. Well, I haven't Quite. seen very many. Yeah, we should we should we should stop in on those yeah, on the way home. Good. Actually, there's a couple <laughs> yeah, near my house. They're a, they're a trip. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, really. Yeah, they're like Insane. crazy, vanu- like veined up, long, elongated trunks that undulate across the ground, and then they have these really streamlined, pillowy but narrow and long foliage masses. Oh, they like sort of that grow up off the sand on the coast. Wow. Yeah, they they are really interesting really really interesting a lot of, a lot of people can relate to them in australia because they grow yeah. around the whole coastline yeah very very l- l- extended across a lot of the coast so anyone on the east coast definitely knows of them. silly
1: question so is the tea tree can it be made into tea
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah you you hope so wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> just wondering.
0: yeah the tea tree tea tree oil is pretty powerful oh, stuff yeah it's it's amazing stuff um, is it a part? Would you say tea tree oil is a part of Australian culture? Oh, absolutely, it is f- it fix, really? It fixes everything, yeah. huh? Tea <laughs> like tree oil, the cure
3: all balm that just <laughs> yeah. it fixes everything. Really good for um, mosquito bites and sandfly yep. bites, yep. anything like,
0: yeah, it's really good like as that. like an antibacterial. Mm.
1: I'm gonna have to use it. You said eucalyptus oil, yeah, eucalyptus oil is really good too, to keep the yeah. uh, bugs away, right? Mm. Or oh, tea tree, either all does Yeah, yeah it's tea tree
0: that he's talking oh, about. Tea tree, yeah. Well. Yep.
1: it is. I, I think yep. I'll have to grab myself a <coughs> little the ticks thing off. of it, yeah. take it home, <laughs> Make sure I don't get ticks on yeah. me <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, It's good stuff I mean anything that's in the um, Mataceae family of plants Has that high oil content Which I'm pretty sure I'm just throwing numbers around But I'm pretty sure nearly 70% of The plant life in Australia Is of the genus I mean of the family Mataceae mm. Which is really quite phenomenal And they're all the plants that have those oil gland um leaves produce all those oils you associate with um that australian sort of bush smell the right time of the yeah. year. yeah
3: yeah it was it smells magical this is yeah, like this is really um subtle compared
0: to midsummer yeah i bet yeah it's it's just because like, it's cool it's just mm. cool out mm. yeah super potent. <clears throat> yeah those markers of the landscape though those scents and all of that you know that you associate nostalgia with Are are so magical yeah. yeah We were driving On the way down here Driving
3: I was thinking about School holidays When I was a kid Oh really? Nice <laughs> like, There's a <laughs> the nice. feeling in the air Yeah cause the, I used to spend yeah. a lot of time Down in Jervis Bay And around Oh yeah, I what, spent, an, what an anomaly Of a beautiful area yeah. that is That's another little nugget It is And when I was there It was like Fairly Fairly uh, Fairly sparse In terms of population mm-hmm. There was a lot more nature And a lot less people mm-hmm. Seems to be changing now But yeah that that's um have you spent much time down there
0: i've only been once uh, it was the start of the year and i was i was blown away by how
3: beautiful it was <laughs> Holy actually. <molly. laughs> actually i was telling ryan and Lyme a story about when i was on school holidays there and when it was um Prawning or getting yabbies, mm. Mm. and I got one. In, I got one in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, so I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, I've got
0: many therapy session <laughs> bills. <God>. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> From that experience, that's not what you want in your pants. It's one of those. that's one of those stand by me moment, <laughs> moments. <laughs>
1: right, I'm. I'm always gonna pitch you. Run on. No, get out. Get out.
3: <laughs> yeah, trauma. Yeah, trauma. <laughs> Everyone was laughing too much to help me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I might have been there with them,
3: <laughs> <sighs> So what weather are you going to be heading back to?
0: Probably be similar to this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it cooled off. We're headed. We'll probably be headed into fall mm. here pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. There's already a slight slight hint in the air, but not quite. hmm <sighs> The descending into wetness, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> winter, winter is coming. A slight into not, the puddle. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready. We've had such a cold, mild summer. We have had more rain over the summer, which is pretty nice. I'm not upset about that, but it has definitely been chilly. And it was coming to Australia. We left when it was really hot, but the temperature probably wasn't that much different. Oh, Okay. Except it's Just the, the change so just, quickly. Just yeah,
3: mm. yeah. So, um, what were your thoughts on the last week? In terms of uh, you've done quite a lot in not not a huge amount of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was great to be back at the national collection. That was awesome, super awesome, really cool event. Interesting to interesting to uh, get to work on stage with Mr. Kobayashi. Just never had that experience um but pretty excited about the national collection and the enthusiasm in Australia what'd you guys think of it how do you feel about it i thought it was great yeah yeah, yeah. really really good um even just the the quality of
3: trees that were coming into the workshop um yeah. especially like um starting starting to see like natives rock up more now mm. in them yeah no doubt about it um i thought i thought it was great and it was good to see um a lot more younger people Mm-hmm. Coming to the event, which I guess is going to it's
2: be about half, f- right?
0: Yeah, which is well, that yeah. that's the future, right? I thought that <laughs> event was a, like the first time I've seen like just like a heap of young guy, like people. It was really, really. Did you know? It was really did fun. You, did you know. guys know all of them? No, no, no. But you know what's interesting is that all of
3: them knew you, and it was like a um like a celebrity moment for them because of all. The times I've seen you on on their computer, so I think that <laughs> I think I think, oh, yeah. I think that p- perhaps the large cohort of younger people could be as a result of Mirai um, Live, huh? And that would uh, s-
0: that that would be amazing. They yeah. were s- Well, well that that makes s- sense, s- doesn't it? T- Whatever, yeah. like, whatever's whatever's getting them there, man. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. The enthusiasm level is super high.
1: So much love and joy coming from the wall. They were so happy. Like, yeah. It was just a great energy of people excited, you know? It's great. Yeah. Lots of love. It was good.
0: Man, the, the architecture and the design of the National Collection is really just on point. Yeah, on it's point. beautiful. On point. Beautiful. Materials. Like, it's, yeah, it's really the nice. Stonework is amazing. Stonework <laughs> is amazing. I, I would love to see even more stonework. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty, those walls the way they frame the pines out the the linear window just really really beautiful. You were mentioning um how much uh
3: how much different it feels now that there's a few years of of weathering. Yeah. and that natural patina building up. Yes. on all of the uh natural elements that it has been
0: or natural re- I guess uh materials. Yeah,
3: natural materials that it's made out of.
0: Yeah. I I liked your analogy of using that patinering of the building to describe where you might think Australian bonsai culture is sort of sitting at currently, mm. I thought that was a great, a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, because it definitely feels like there's a maturity that's developing. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a developing maturity. It's right, like you can see it now. You can see that there's something sort of uh, solid about about Australian bonsai, and it's it's only going to continue from here and continue to age and become more patinated, as you say. <laughs> How much of of the, how much of that kind of solidarity do you think is uh, a a tribute to the national collection being a pretty big like central piece of the bonsai culture, or mm-hmm. or is it? It it definitely. I mean, from my perspective, it seems to be, because it's like it's in the it's in the country's capital. Um, it is a very premier sort of facility. Um, most people know seem to know of it um, and now that they're holding events like such as this event that just happened it's it's bringing together people in the bonsai community on a national scale uh-huh. outside of what the club sort of scene has been doing mm-hmm. um, it's nice to see like and it's nice to see an actual government institution that's, yeah that's, that's, what that's supporting the bonsai development and community that's
3: I think that helps. Really I think that helps having that organization and resource behind mm-hmm. you, it's too. Really, like, really even good. the way that they'd organize media, um, you know, there's people there taking photos for their own social, me- social media pages, and I think it's, if it helps push it to that next level mm-hmm. in terms of just reaching people and mm-hmm. getting them involved. I mean, people, I think, are naturally attracted to a, a, quality, a quality product, whether that be a display or a product. It's just
1: yeah. it's, do, do you have other public collections around the country a lot of them or no
0: there's some in a few botanic gardens um but none of that kind yeah nothing like that nothing like a national a national version of a collection is
3: that's the only one that i know of and also because um there's a very active community of people that donate trees or lend trees and i think that um they also help promote it as well everyone wants to see their own tree and, and bringing people along and encouraging people
0: to visit the collection. It's just it's super, um, super involved with the community. Yeah. That's a, I mean, but that's such a well thought out strategy to be engaging the community on a consistent basis, you know, and having a facility where their tree really does get, get to look impressive in, in a public setting. That's, that's really empowering for the, for people to participate and care and take pride in that. Mm. Yeah. Really yeah. well, really well thought out.
1: It gives well, you, like, something to work towards, like an energy, mm. a group of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. looks really fun.
0: Yeah. Um, well,
3: I mean, what did it feel like for you? I mean, uh, Lime. you know, it's... Um, what well, in terms of coming to Australia, seeing the collection, was it everything that you'd thought? Because it's your first time here.
1: It's my first time in your country, yeah. Mm. And first time at that collection and, and seeing a lot of those species. I've never seen any of those species in person. So that was... Um definitely gonna go home and, and think a lot about them. I think I'm very, very influenced by the collection. You know, it's a beautiful group of people. You guys have a really positive vibe, good energy. I wanna take that home with me and keep it Keep it deep. Awesome.
0: awesome! It's got a little—it's got a little uh, Pacific Northwest b vibe. Oh, it yeah, does! Yeah. It just, you know, with, an cla- Aussie twist. Colla- collaborative. <laughs> with a little bit of an Aussie twist. A- collaborative it a little- and supportive community—it seems. It seems Yeah, it seems really interesting.
1: Like to razz on each other a little bit here and there. Yeah, 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 a lot yeah, of people yeah. gave me a little bit of snuffles. you picking on me. <laughs> <so good. laughs>
0: but it's interesting because you do have to have like all of the elements coming up at the same time, right? There's. The beginnings and, and, and again, the beginnings might, might, and very well were 30, 40 years ago that people were working with native species in Australia, but definitely sort of a, uh, maybe a wider accessibility to the potential of the native material is now starting to permeate the community, it seems. And that, that is uh, that is an exciting time. But then with that material availability or awareness or appreciation, you also have to have the ceramic body. And that's like another thing that's changed so much, you know, not to sound like a broken record or anything, but it's just, it's so fascinating to see it and the way that it works both in North America, Australia, um, Europe and their strong ceramic culture and sort of hand-in-hand, hand, that has to rise with the quality of, of the material available and, and the seriousness of the practice. Yeah, they're it, all
1: moving together, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's, like, beautiful. Like, they're all on a ship together. Yeah, to it would
0: definitely, uh, like, bump one off the other, I reckon. Yeah. Like, when you start to see a, a container that elevates your tree, all of a sudden now your tree has to become that much better mm-hmm. to meet the standard of it. Because the container usually frames the tree for the most part. You know Right. What I mean? Like, if the frame becomes so awesome... The tree has to also become incredibly awesome, too. Right. It's not one or the other.
1: And vice versa. Yeah. The quality yeah, of the trees, Absolutely. as the tree quality keeps mm-hmm. coming out better, it's going to push the ceramics yep. harder and harder and harder. Yep. yep. That's a beautiful little system right there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <That's a very laughs> it is, isn't it? Wow. It's developed there. It's really, really cool.
1: <laughs> That's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Australian context and presentation starts to evolve That's a, that's a big open book for you guys, I think.
2: Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: And man, well, and again, like, I think the most freeing thing about what you guys are doing is that there's no real visual representation of the shapes and forms that you're trying to create. There's no bonsai way that it's been done. You're kind of, you sit outside of the species that have largely been dictated by the bonsai form. So liberating. Yeah. To not have that a little, probably a little intimidating, but I, I, I would imagine more exciting and liberating. You know, I find every time, like just say, uh, uh, while we're in Canberra, I went to the Botanic Gardens. Uh, Liam and I and um, friend Simon.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was magical.
0: But when That's we were cool. running around there, and it's a native species Botanic Garden, right? And it was just like this little like snippet of what each each native tree looks like at a somewhat mature state.
1: In their section of your country.
0: Yeah, and just little Whoa. groupings of like each species of a genus mm-hmm. and then seeing them all there. And we were just like
1: <laughs> we overwhelmed with like
0: the amount of potential <laughs> that all, every single one of these species we had. We were like
1: kids at a toy store. <laughs> <laughs> it, was so funny. it
0: was amazing. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is it's just like it is overwhelming, the amount of the abundance of species, the abundance of species that are very horticulturally viable as mm-hmm. bonsai material in Australia is absolutely shocking. And you can really easily get overwhelmed and wrapped up in having 800 trees and you might only have one of each species. And it's like, it's it's pretty phenomenal. It's pretty phenomenal trying to wrap your hand around what's going to be the best way of representing them as a whole. Yeah.
2: Mm.
3: It's been um quite liberating to have the ability to work with species outside of what's only been currently available up until, I guess, Mm. or what I understand people have been working with natives for a long time, but for it to become, I guess, almost public knowledge within the bonzo community that we do have amazing material here. Yeah. It was such a,
0: such a, um, almost, it's almost, I'm going to call it a wives tale that mm. Australian trees were one non-existent as good bonzo material. And then if you did get a good tree, it wasn't of any value. Mm. I feel like that was the commonplace for a long, long time. Um, Yeah. So now that that, I guess that dog... So was that not true or is that sort of slowly dissipating? It's it's definitely dissipating. Mm -hmm. I think it's dissipating. Um, There's like a new value for a native species. And what I'm starting to see, I don't think it's there yet, but it is a, a sort of an acceptance as they are just another form of a tree it's not it's not because there's been a lot of culture of like there's bonsai and then there's native plants mm-hmm. and something i've been trying to sort of like help people out is with is don't think of native plants as one genre like i do pines and natives yeah say, right yeah and i say oh what natives do they not oh, natives but if you're gonna say native that that means there's so many species, so many different types of growth, so many different types, ways of growing, ecosystems, forms, influences. It's immense. Yeah. Um, just the same as like if you think about Japanese species, Japanese native species, right, which the Japanese, say, use. Um, each one of those functions on a totally different level. A maple functions absolutely differently to a pine yeah vine. so to say a casrina and a leptospernum are just a native genre of bonsai would you would you say that there is a similarity to the way that your Mertasia members function as broad kind of that broad-leafed evergreen genre i know there are probably some deciduous components of that maybe are there Potentially, yeah. Potentially, not but not, would, not actually <coughs> deciduous, but maybe technique-wise, yeah. Would you would you say that they have a general sort of natives behavior of your broadleafed evergreens, or even inside of that, is there a dramatic mm. difference between like kunzia and tea tree and? Yeah, well, what I'm sort of recognizing, and I sort of um, started having a chat with you about it, is the theory of elongating species. Uh, I'm starting to theorize that potentially anything that's a small leafed genre of Mudtaceae is potentially an elongating species right? genre of tree. Anything that has that real highly ramifying, really sporadically growing forms of those tiny leaves and tiny internodes seem to grow along the form of an elongating type species. Yeah, I agree with that. But then you've got things that that sort of cloud that up, like Tristaniopsis and eucalyptus and angothera and all these sort of more broad leaf looking trees that mm-hmm. have a much thicker waxy type leaf yeah, but I mean, i mean yeah. the small and large makes a lot of sense i think even from that just like coarseness of the vascular system thickness mm-hmm. of the cuticle on on the larger leaf because of the increased surface area mm-hmm. changing the amount of water and the rapidity with which they move and all of a sudden You've created two different behaviors based on that leaf size surface area mm-hmm. and ability to transpire. Yeah. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. mm. Yeah, it's becoming way more black and white for me. Mm-hmm. Where previously it's been very like super ambiguous, like almost sporadic. Like what what's going on here? But um Have you been pinching any of your trees? Um that are the short needle varieties of your Mertesia? Uh, I started a lot of processes with them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be pretty successful. Absolutely. Did it... Have you had any branches that you've pinched, die back, or or lose strength? Um, I've had... If... It, the, what, what I'm sort of noticing is the disparity of strength seems to be a real uh, rapid thing that happens. So... I've seen branches that if I've pinched them and they're a slight bit weaker than the other next level of strength, you seem to see a real, like, sort of separation in terms of the level of strength they have. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a disparity that it can occur within weeks in terms of strength. You can go from having a a branch that's chugging along at a sort of medium strength pace, and then if it sort of gets superseded, it quickly becomes the weakest branch on the tree. Wow. Yeah. So that's vital. Keeps you, keeps you yeah. honest in design. <laughs> it keeps you very keeps you honest. <laughs> super honest in
3: design, and not super attached to a particular yeah, idea. Yeah, you yeah. Gotta yeah. Be, uh, yeah, yeah. You got to roll with the punches. Malleable, yeah. malleable. Yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah damn. There are yeah. definitely more species that are much more difficult to deal with. Yeah, like the, the the there's varying levels yeah. of
0: species we've found. Yeah, yeah. Some species seem to be like absolutely tolerable. tolerable. They'll, they'll, they'll handle anything quite. Um, easily and mm-hmm. then there's some that are extremely delicate um, not in terms of that they're not tough to grow i mean that they they're quite easy to grow and they're quite easy if you let them be free but as soon as you're just trying to create some sort of uh form that's got a uh, very even sort of growth it, some species of them finding it very 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 difficult to <laughs> reach mm. that um that plateau of strength yeah 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 the metabolism in all these trees seems to just function on such a rapid, rapid level. Um, And the growing seasons are... There's not (laughs) four seasons. There's not four seasons of growth. There's there's definitely very different types of seasonality, I think, um, in terms of when things are growing. But they're still growing over winter here, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of your species are? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Obviously, it's slowed down. It's a different type of growth. Yeah. Slow down now. Is it more usable growth or less usable growth? Oh, well, th- these are these are the questions. Yeah, these are the things I'm definitely trying to figure out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is what types of growth are going to facilitate the best outcomes that we're sort of looking for? Um, like just as a cycle of what I've noticed with the let's call them this elongating small leaf genre of Mataceae, like your Kunzio's tea trees, Meluca even, um, Bakia they seem to, what I've seen is it sort of middle of winter, they'll do a very small, light flush of growth. And that flush of growth now, right now, you're starting to see the flower buds start to grow on the end of that flush. Right. Um, And they'll flower depending what species they are from now through to like November, December. Mm. And from that flower bud growth, what you'll then see is after the flowers sort of discard, Sort of around Christmas time, you see a real start of these, almost like these waves of surgences of growth where you'll see these huge elongations, very, very strong, and then this incredible back budding, and then that repeats and repeats and repeats. So you have to get the elongation to get the back budding? Well, what, what seems to happen is that it will elongate, and then the buds will, as they elongate further and further away from the start of where they came off as a shoot, Mm-hmm. They'll then start to produce elongating ramification at that base. Gotcha. Sort of like the way you would describe, like the way oxen um, is moving, yeah. in the basal pieces. Sort of the way pieces, like yeah. you describe a um, an elongating juniper species. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, and then from there you'll start to see interior branches either, depending if they're out of light or out of strength, you'll see them start to interior branches either strengthen and do there. Do their thing, or weaken and die very, mm. very rapidly. So, if you stop that by pinching, do you think that screws up that whole energy system? No, no. I think it's a worthwhile uh, use uh, to pinch because I think you see that energy be pushed from next each level. Uh huh. You just have to build up all the all the levels first. Yeah. Yeah, and start. And and once you start doing it, I found it's it's a it's a almost. Fortnightly operation, right? Like you could you could prune and pinch a tree, and then do it again and again and again, basically from January to about May. Like I've I've sort of counted six to eight that solid prunings on a tree. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. <laughs> That's yeah. A lot of work. Yep. Because mm. the metabolism just drives so incredibly.
1: That'll keep your collection out of Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, and that's the goal. Like, I wonder if there is a more better way of managing the growth to really get control over it. I'm not too sure. But yeah, after that know. sort of May period, you'll start to see like a slowdown mm. in the growth and it'll almost stop for a little bit. It'll just cease. Hmm. And then like what David and I noticed about, july mid july there was this winter flush and that's what i'm calling like the flower preparation flush
3: yeah it was also in in response to
0: um to styling so Mm. it almost mm -hmm, happened a little bit earlier because of the styling and then trees that haven't been styled are starting to flush now Mm. so it's it's very exciting it's (laughs) incredible it's incredibly interesting to try and work out a cycle you know what i mean like Super, yeah. To formulate yep. what's going on, what's yep. happening. It's very fascinating. Well, and it's also probably pretty stage-specific, right? Like, as far as development versus secondary versus refinement, mm-hmm. you know, what's the upper level of what you can do in mm-hmm. terms of... I mean, really, when I think about the maximum level of exposure for Australian natives, like, I just think about Quentin's backyard. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and the level that he's reached is, is probably probably as good as anywhere else in the world in terms of refinement level. Yeah, he's collection with Australian immense. natives. I yeah. mean it's it's incredible. Incredible. So I mean people have got it figured out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um I guess it's just working out how that can be described, you yep. know what I mean? Like yep. like a, a a formula that works really well that is quite also open to other points coming in Mm -hmm. that will drive the very individual characteristics maybe yeah that are defined by the 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 actual biology of the plant the shape of the plant and the ecosystem makes sense makes sense and it also makes sense to understand you know like when trying to figure that stuff out there there have to be there have to be markers of like moments in the growth where it is accumulated enough energy to perform an action and get the best response maybe a slightly more controllable response, maybe a totally controllable response based on energy. You know, and it could be something like those first three times that they push out. If you do X, Y, or Z, timing, fertilizer, mixture of all those things, you kind of can get some of the energy out of it and then start coming back to really refinable growth and more sustainable kind of growth. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of how you were describing um, dealing with larch, Larch, man. in terms of running their energy out. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's just not possible with larch if you're even moderately watering them and they're healthy to slow them down, Mm. you got to let them, you have to let them exhaust themselves. Mm. Mm. Gotcha. Although I'm finding that um, the melaleuca the raphephylas,
3: melaleuca raphephylas are becoming slightly more manageable. as the ramifications increasing like that disparity between strength um yeah tends i think to be once you get them bit.
0: out of that real elongating phase and get them into that like say come on ramify and once they have that bifurcation forming they seem to calm down don't they mm. yeah yeah makes yeah. sense yeah
3: like and letting them get a bit um a bit comfy in their in their containers too helps <laughs>
0: Yeah, what's that like with your guys' weather to have trees in smaller containers <laughs> in Australia? Um, it's tough, it's mm, tough. I've had to downsize my, my uh, particle size um,
3: to deal. I'm in a really windy area. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've found that helps a lot. And thickening up my top dressing more than the way that you've sort of taught it, mm-hmm. um, i found that thickening it up has helped as well. things can just dry out so quickly i mean
0: i get wind almost all year round yeah it's hard to fathom what it's like here during the middle of summer i mean i look at this and i'm just just like this is great yeah yeah i'm gone i feel great about what's happening here if it was like this all year (laughs) it'd be beautiful it'd be lovely (laughs) easy done if it was like this all year the whole world would move here (laughs) every single (laughs) person yeah i mean there would be no Um. more Hey, this, is this is a good it's time of year. It's incredible.
3: Look at that ocean. Yeah. It's like that um, that transitionary period. Those transitionary periods between seasons are always, to me, some of the most beautiful. Yeah. O-
0: o- the autumn and the spring is mm. like re- always really, really lovely. Just just <sighs> awesome. It's so uh, incredibly short-lived, though. Mm. Mm. Like this this type of a week... Like if you get one of these in a in a mm. sort of move from from winter to spring, or uh, summer to fall, if you get anything like this, it's just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it right. yeah. also makes it special, epic. It's that it's that fleeting moment. moment, epic. Yeah, it is a fleeting moment. Yeah. It's a nostalgic sort of sort of time, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a time you remember and you look back on good good moments. I love so being so far north in Portland, Oregon, and now being so far south as where we're at. Um, on the Australian coast, it's so interesting, the angle of the light and the quality of the light and the contrast of the light in the spring and the fall, Mm. you know, that summer, winter light are are two very distinct Mm. things, but that, that spring and fall light is, is incredibly, um, it's incredibly rich. Yeah. Rich is The the color, the colors seem to hold more at those times of year for whatever reason, but I mean, everything's changing. Yeah, it's the beginning Trans-tari- of market yeah. market change movement, Metabol I mean, it's pretty neat. Mm. Yeah, you can just see all the new tips and the flower buds on the trees, and yeah, like I see mean, all the flower buds on the on the yeah, right now. The whole canopy is ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to the containers, um, in terms of Australian containers, well, well, like <sighs> keeping things alive. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. smallness and the and the. Like, I, I love to put a tree in a tight, tight, tight container. Yeah. It's, it's very fun. But I know that the summer is going to be difficult, not pleasant <laughs> in terms of watering. Yeah, you got to pay it forward on the small container. Yeah. You got to really want it.
3: Mm. If yeah, gonna yeah, go, yeah, If you're going go to go a small yeah. container, <laughs> it's a decision that yeah. you,
0: you, you have to really sit there and say, am I willing to do what this is going to necessitate? And it's always <laughs> like you have two <laughs> options and you're like, oh, that's great oh, this is really, really good, but will I get it in there, one? And two, will I be able to keep it alive once I, I chew um, on the will thing Will I in? have a
1: life when <laughs> this
0: goes in there? And I always go for the no life option. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> just, it, it's the only option.
3: Like, just, once you uh, see it, it's yeah, just it's like, like so well, down. now yeah. what am
0: I going to do? What do you
3: expect? It
1: gives you back when you have to make sacrifices. Yeah, yeah. I it's, love when I see
3: someone post a photo of a tree in a tiny pot and just watch people go bananas online. Yeah. What? With <laughs> this, like... It's going to die and getting very, very, um, very spirited about it. It's always interesting watching that.
0: But what I'm trying to figure out now is like, um, like I'm, I'm starting to think about how visually proportion wise I can start to use proportions Mm. to put trees into bigger containers, but visually still the same. Like, um, going for more wider, shallower containers, which won't transpire as quickly. Yep. Um, It's probably something I'm going to try and explore a Mm. bit more. So maybe instead of going for stout tall pots, try and make them as shallow as possible and as wide as possible. Yeah, decrease gravity's impact. And it'll still visually look quite small and beautiful and that proportion will be much tinier than the tree. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's like a way forward. And it would help because a lot of these trees need a lot of moisture anyway. Incredibly thirsty plants. Metabolically, they just mow through it. So... What do you do in the summer? Do you have a shade cloth? No, I'm going to install one this year because last year was difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I really struggled with last year's summer. Yeah, yeah, It was scary. What do you do? do you I, have don't, a shade? I don't yeah. have a
3: shade cloth, but I probably will when I uh, make yeah. some,
0: do some renovations in a, three, in a few years. Well, with that greenhouse I just purchased, I think in the summer I'm going to take the nice. top off it and put shade cloth over the top of it. Yeah, it's, yeah um,
3: it I'm just doing two trips a day home from work
0: <laughs> to, to make sure stuff doesn't die that's awesome so as committed. soon as you get to work you just you, oh, gotta go back home yeah, I put, guys. as soon as, I day? The, yeah. soon as i pull into
3: the car park i put a timer on my countdown
0: timer on my phone three hours so i'm home in three and a half there you go nice. i used to have to do it when i was in <laughs> when i was an apprentice i would have to water in the morning and ride my bike home at lunch yeah. wow go, and go then go back, yeah and then go back and water again at after uh at dinner yeah. and go back for the evening time it was hectic to have <laughs> trees there yeah <sighs> Yeah, w- watering is watering's such a... a topic. Um
3: A lot of people are, are pretty high on automatic watering systems.
0: Mm. Um, I'm starting to see more value in them. Yeah. Only because, right, because we do get so hot for so you guys long. Are, you guys are hot, man. I, mean, th- I, I, I think <clears throat> that there's value in them. Yeah, I do. Like, as a period that you know everything will just be dry at that time of day. It doesn't matter where it's at. Well, and we I mean, just... they've become so much more malleable and adaptable mm. in terms of... You know, I think it, it goes without saying you want a, a, a micro-emitter because mm. um, the drip the drip in bonsai containers has has had some problems historically with total permeation. But you can a- adapt how much they're putting out to mm. really customize the mm. setup. The little mystical. The, the, yeah, the micro-emitters. Is that what you would if you were to put in a watering system, that would be That would be what I would do. Like a micro spray that sprays the whole container. Yeah, and I think, um, I think the way that I would actually handle it is, and I've had, I've, I have had to do this. Uh, back in college, I had to do it a lot. But um, attaching the emitters to the bench mm-hmm. and then really organizing your trees on the benches for the benches that have a, a higher volume of water or benches that have a lower mm-hmm. volume of mm-hmm. water and then having stations uh uh-huh. yeah. yeah, and then as long as you keep it as long as you keep it um, s- sort of straightened up that way and you keep the emitters keep a close eye on the emitters, it's a pretty solid system that you can depend on, mm. you know
3: you mm. can control them with your phone now as well you, you can yeah. control them
0: with your phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean so complex easy, you know? I mean, yeah. I think the biggest Zones. thing is, is probably still I would imagine that most controllers are battery powered unless you go super I mean, I don't know a lot of bonsai. Backyards that, that have it plugged into their, like, larger irrigation system. Okay. That would be a pretty
3: intense irrigation setup if you were to do that at Mirai. That would <laughs> oh, be, no, be
0: no joke. I don't want to do that at <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that at Mirai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. yeah I, I don't. And I think it Yeah, it takes away, for me, it takes away such an, a pivotal touch point of, of hmm. bonsai, which is the act of watering. <laughs> no matter what, you have to make time to do it. It's a non-negotiable, you have to make time to do it. It's such an intentional action and such a pivotal part of the art form that I I, I value it a lot. We interact with the tree in so many ways in mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. Touch base with it. Um, see, yep. Observe. And, and like you say, provide that fluctuation in the water levels that you do apply. Yeah. I water it when it's this percentage wet, the next time I'll water it when it's a different percentage wet. It's mm-hmm. not... So perhaps the value is using them as an adjunct or an emergency. uh, I mean, I I think it's probably a supplemental solution for sure. I think. I think it's a good way of like, because we do know, like I know in summertime, I'll water in the morning. And if I know I'm not home till the afternoon, I know that every tree will be definitely dried out by then. No matter what health it's at, no matter what size it is, no matter if it's under shade or Mm -hmm. sunshine, everything just will be dry by the end of the day. So in those times of the year, I think it would be great, if needed, just to be like everything does get watered at this point, mm-hmm. and then you shift how you then hand water around that. Yep. That yeah, because if you know you have that point, anything that's damp, not not but not dry, mm. then you know you cu- customize that point to yeah, that moment. That becomes a new mm-hmm. reference point. Yeah. yeah. I see that as being valuable, probably in the future, just because of. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. <laughs> yeah, in summers. So you are getting hotter. Getting yeah, getting hotter. Yeah, like I said, last year like sort of took me by surprise. I was sort of jumping around trying to figure out how to juggle this new intensity of heat and. Mm. You also moved and places as well. Where you got moved into places, which is it's hotter where I'm at. Mm. Yeah. How More
1: far s- north did you move?
0: Oh, not far. It's just I uh, went from being in a valley oh. where the sun rises. Actually, contact of the sun is later and drops down earlier. Where where wow. I am now, it's flat, and it's sunsets, sun, sun sunrise to sunset. So, what's your impression um, being a a bonsai professional in Australia? What's your impression of Australian bonsai right now? Uh, I think it's really really um, thriving. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a little hum, there's a little beehive in sort of the distance that I can sort of hear, and it's really I think it's really really cool. There's so much more. Enthusiasm for innovative things, Mm -hmm. um, for uh, unique trees are being a little bit more interested in now rather than the standard, um, let's call it traditional form of plants. Um, And there's there's heaps of people who are really hungry to innovate Mm -hmm. before they've even like jumped on the bonsai wagon. You know what I mean? Like I've met lots of people who are just starting bonsai and they're like, Coming up with ideas that are so way more innovative than I've even thought of, and they're just starting. Yeah, and if that's the new generation of people jumping into bonsai, it's going yeah. yeah. to be. Shout a out, wild out to career. Daniel Leone in camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that who you're referencing? Yeah, yeah he's one of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, his, wor- his work was really, really cool. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really exciting. A lot of creativity, getting that, uh, getting that technical backbone, man. Yeah, it's still essential. Australia oh. cannot sidestep that moment or else it's going to be tough to support the I think the level of creativity that is rapidly evolving. You know, it's like any fine craft, any fine creative endeavor has a lot of technique behind it and that that seems to me absolutely to always be, need to be You know what that's like though? It's like um it's like doing uh it's like doing a form in a martial art. Or something like that, you know. As far as as far as bonsai is concerned, the constant uh, application and effort to master technique is just a. I think that's a never ending aspect of the art form. So you think
3: like in three pillars, which would be technical, horticultural, mm-hmm. and then artistic. And if one of those is missing. It's a struggle.
0: Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think so. I mean, I like I don't want to oversimplify. I don't want to oversimplify and and do an injustice to the complexity of of mm. the, you know, everything that's happening. But I do think I do think that that's a really concise breakdown of the biggest, broadest topics Mm. that have to be, you know, and that's what makes it so tough is for a long time people talked about it as uh, horticulture and and design or horticulture and art or art and science. But it's like, man, that technical, the ability to actualize is a, you know, it's a monster to try and and get the, the toolkit built. Yeah. Well, even that concept broadly
3: outside of bonsai, There are lots of people with great ideas. Mm -hmm. How many of them actually bring them to fruition is very little. Mm. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. Yeah, having that technical ability to actually figure out that your idea is valuable, or being prepared to go through the pain to get it done—that's it. That's it. I think. Yeah. So, so I think you you are. I think you have a point, and I think too. Just who? How many people are really willing to suffer to work it out? Look, an idea to get it to an actualized form that has any value and real, real like ironed out methodology is just an absolute, like you're taking on a massive project. Yeah. And man, like I don't blame people for not wanting to, to engage with that, but it's cool when people do. Mm. Yeah, that's inspiring stuff.
3: Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's one of the, it's, people can take it as far as they want to to reach their level of enjoyment or satisfaction out of, out of the pursuit. Yeah. So you've got people who are quite happy just pottering around making trees just for themselves that they keep like in a windowsill or you like it and or you know the other end of the spectrum people like yourself Mm. who take it
0: to that just extreme level and I think some people enjoy like you said those three pillars Mm. I think some people really enjoy sometimes a concentrated aspect of one yeah like someone might be a phenomenal bonsai artist but they come at it from a really sound horticultural background yeah and that their work becomes different to someone who might have an extreme design background but a small horticultural background yes i agree very with that. different yeah genre of artists but both i think very plausible works yes None, you wouldn't say one and i think this is where a little bit of the culture needs to change not one is not different to the other or better i think yeah i think not better there's no, no higher i mean not, there's no hierarchy you know some people it is undeniable some people just have a knack horticulturally just have a knack and what they can do with a plant is different than other people. There's a there's that a whisper that goes on between the plant <sighs> and, the, and the and the and the and the person. I and think. it really does. I, I I appreciate your point, saying look, this it, it is different. You know, having your your strongest pillar be the horticulture does create a different looking bonsai. Yeah, you know, absolutely. a different way about it. Uh, I think going about it, and I think a different product in the end, different value system for what the look is yeah, going to be. You know yeah, I maybe. Mean? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like but you're psyched yeah. on the fact that it has grown in this way because you did these particular aspects. Right. So like you know, it versus oh, it has this really cutting edge, asymmetrical form because of <laughs> these lines <laughs> right. joining up and adding to this space. Right, like, right. For them, it's more about like oh, it grew like this, and oh, that's isn't that amazing that that took on that form because I allowed it to do this. And totally, that, you know, like it's. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Both take totally different trees. You know, I well, love that. For well, someone with that horticulture background, their idea
3: of aesthetic excellence might be a tree that just looks extremely healthy. Extremely healthy. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think, I think and lush. Yeah.
0: But I think, like, sometimes highly, highly ramified, like, super. I mean, when you see people that have a true knack for horticulture that even do, I would say, moderately consistent pruning. You know, having, and I think like what we're learning is really good horticulture is, is probably consistent with a good soil biology. Mm -hmm. So whatever your action that you're taking is, I think it's facilitating a healthy soil biology. That's probably the catalyst to all of that. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But it's, I mean, like, I think that mentality too is a slower approach. Absolutely, and yeah, that's yeah. that. That also breeds just the the pace and timing of the work also breeds a different mm. character into the tree. Absolutely, yeah. And some people really respect that long whole time mm-hmm. approach. Um, yeah, Dennis Voitia's deciduous trees just have this super dedicated, right. long term approach to them. And it's, I mean, you look at them, and it's undeniable quality. Mm-hmm. You know, when he came on the podcast, it was fascinating to hear his approach. Mm-hmm.
1: They're only going to get better now. There's,
0: yeah, there's, now there's no, fully there's no going backwards. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Like <laughs> absolutely, he, he he built he built a really, I mean, obviously there's catastrophe, but if you build a really beautiful system in the initial styling and and the accumulation of health and the interior presence of growth in meristematic tissue, mm-hmm. it's just the proportions and always maintaining a tree that can that can show the merits of the age mm. is always gonna be a possibility. Mm. And that's where it's fascinating to hear about the smaller leaf varieties of the Myrtacea Because all of a sudden now, if you allow it to elongate and build up those back buds, then you can move to the pinching process and really do some transitional stuff. Absolutely. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. And because of the rapid development, Mm. like, I think think they give this unique opportunity to be able to almost, like, merge those different aspects that we're sort of talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, you can pull in a deciduous pruning regime alongside a – Elongating species ramification development. Yeah. It's pinching. To, and you can sort of in the same season occupy what you might take doing one of those techniques in one year. Yeah. You might be able to do that, all those techniques in a couple, of, in a year. Yeah. You know I and mean? combined all those forms and all of a sudden you've got this crazy angular pruned, elegant sweeping branches, develop pads on these fine structure all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's you're not, I don't feel like you really put into one sort of de- way of developing and, or the other. Like, I feel like they can all work together to create this real unique mm-hmm. aspect. I almost feel like uh, too, because of the rapid rate of growth that you guys get in Australia, one thing that ha- I've always kind of marveled at is the, the intentionality behind the ramification of pinging and particularly well done pinging mm-hmm. uh, and, and more than that, just the real dedication to angularity. Mm-hmm in the way that they handle that. Because you guys get such rapid growth and response in your trees, I would think you have an ability to be able to, with your kunzia and some of these, instead of pinching, potentially develop some, some branching styles mm. in terms of pruned in, time-tested, long-term dedicated practice mm. that could be extremely stylistic and representative. Because I mean, even just looking at the little kunzia and, and, mm. and again, like referencing the branch lines of the eucalyptus that we're looking at and stuff, mm. it's like everything has just that unpredictable mm. swooping angularity it's, it's to beautiful it. beautiful chaos. It's, it's it? totally beautiful chaos. And I think over organize, over organizing Australian species in the bonsai form, mm. you know, that there's going to be a delicate balance there yeah. to, to getting too much structure that you almost domesticate it. Mm. Oh yeah, you, you strip all its, all its Australian out of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. I think also watching what the tree, how the tree responds to your actions, and trying to like almost lessen your load every time you re yeah like, uh, rework on the tree, like really try and respond to how it tries to escape what you do. And see where it starts to like move with what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably it's probably more a case of you work with what it does, yeah. So than I anything think else. The, I think like you have no choice to work with it. The only danger in um, letting the tree interpret. I mean, the funny thing about Australian natives is you don't have that vertical triangularity, like that, like an oxen-driven temperate climate conifer. You don't have that. Yeah, that's some that's species like do. Added. Some species, C- do. yeah, the Casuarina glauca, uh huh. Um, down south, they use it as a Christmas tree. Very cold, column- very columnar. exceptionally coloma. Yeah. yeah, really I mean, interesting. Mon- the radiata almost has naturalized here. I mean, it's <laughs> a it's a <laughs> North American native pine, but it's far far better here than there. Yeah, they're almost a a native in the species almost, just because of their presence here. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, they're everywhere. Yeah, I wonder if Australian natives, when styled in in a, in, in the more wild aesthetics that are being explored right now. I wonder if they will move back towards, you know, with water, nutrition, all of the technique being applied, I wonder if they'll move back towards a more, like, symmetrical form. Mm. I Because we, we do we do have to deal with that in, in our temperate trees. Well, I think it would happen on a much quicker rate, right, of course. I think so. Cause, yeah. because cause they have that ability to really- Adapt, yeah. Like like you're mm. saying, not be very conical, or round out really, really, really easily. Yeah. Um, but you know what I sometimes think? I always sometimes think, what happens when you do have a really crazily styled asymmetrical tree, mm. then you allow it to become super symmetrical, like almost to the point where it's then exaggerated. And then you go in and you absolutely desiccate that, asymm- that sy- symmetry off. And then you end up with this almost extreme point of asymmetry again, yeah. which is sort of what you see in isn't the that the landscape. Landscape. isn't that the ebb and flow though yeah yeah, yeah. I mean because trees are gonna have periods of good healthy growth mm. where they're you know and then mm. they get mm. smashed again by an unpredictable mm. force mm. I think it would be a really interesting exercise albeit probably controversial to to have the act of random that's creating the character be determined at random, mm. you know. So like have I ever told you about the card, the card idea, <laughs> where you have a, a card that's associated okay. with an action on the tree, and you have <laughs> a tree? Uh, sounds like a drinking <laughs> game. It, no, no, <laughs> but it, no, but think about it. You shuffle yeah, the deck yeah. of cards in the action, like whether it's you like want to or not. Remittal. Yeah, but it's it's it really becomes a design challenge at that point, you know, because what if you didn't anticipate removing the apex on a tree, and all of a sudden, you've basically said, I'm I'm going to forgo my judgment to see what happens in the random act of I mean you become the nature the element of yeah. nature at that point well, in time okay. but but even I, I think that would be fascinating. That is extremely really make that into enjoy a board that. game. That's yeah. very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could go with a board game. Well, and I think <laughs> I think you I think you have to do it on a high stakes tree. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you get to I don't think you get to do it on a garbage tree i mean I, I wouldn't go historically significant tree or you know but I mean a really good piece of material uh in, <laughs> and whether it's a developed game or whether it's a uh like initial creation game like you can really change the random what you're forced to accommodate as a designer so at the end of
3: the option says so like cut off.
0: Cut what so what would the cards look like? Cut off the thickest branch oh, and it. turn to dead wood. Right, right? Like mm-hmm. lose two thirds of the apex. <laughs> Find the most beautifully moving branch and Yeah. Compress <laughs> remove it. <laughs> compress 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 you know, compress the right side and elongate the left side and you just because, you have something. Yeah. You have something completely different. Is going to be a new product available on Mirai.com? No, I don't. No. (laughs) No, I'm just saying. I I think it would be. I've thought about doing it as a stream. Just like a a, a real random. uh, Not a real random, because I've been thinking about this for a very long time, actually. Uh, But I think a real dive into sort of how you can be malleable. Because one of the things that plagues bonsai for a lot of people, too, as a limitation is losing the shape of the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. So they they hold it. They try to hold it from growing. Stop that thing from growing. I'm going to keep it like this. That's a, that's a road to disaster. Right. And then, uh, you know, portions of the tree things, bad things happening. Right. Or uh, random occurrences that do truly change the shape of the tree, developing the design prowess to respond to that. You know, this type of exercise cultivates that kind it of uh, tool set. And we don't think about exercising our design mind mm-hmm. on occurrences that we don't see coming. Mm-hmm. We want to have control over that. I think it's really inter- I think it would be really interesting to lose that control. It would be. Mm-hmm. And it would it would allow for um what am I trying to say? It would allow for like a creativity that that you would never explore. Yep. Absolutely, know, it's, like nature. it's almost necessity. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's the whole thing, though, right? Random response to random becomes like what is the best I can do with this, and it brings back attention to the fact that, like, like a, a, it's ultimately creative. Mm-hmm. Like this might be the best possible option with all these things presented. Yeah, but yeah, imagining it, it, it is desiccated and it is removed. Like that's exactly the but, act of nature. When you think yeah. about
3: like, it, everything that you do now is basically based on emotion then we justify with logic because you can to a certain extent justify anything that you do with logic we generally make decisions on emotion well you create so a logic by, by doing this around it. by doing yeah. this yeah by doing this you actually remove your emotional you remove the emotion from what happens with the tree mm.
0: yeah i mean i think i think i try to fight like fight mm. like that uh Hard, that though. response with, uh, you know, objective design to the degree that I can. But I totally agree with you. There is no there is no way to, to nuke yourself from the scenario, right? You can't just pull, pull your, your impression and mentality out of it. But, but, but that does. I mean, to a degree, to a degree that you choose to, how do you find, you know, how do you find lemonade out of lemons? Mm-hmm. That would be a great, that would be a great way to just keep the design conversation moving forward for somebody's practice i think yeah absolutely yeah. It's a, it, like you say it's a great exercise mm-hmm. to like use use your tools like literally use your tools yeah. to create not just continue to pick up the same tool in the same order well and i think yeah. a lot of people tend to think of of the design skill set as like a stagnant thing yeah like you this can design yeah. or you can't design bonsai and it's like well actually like there's a whole broad, you know, I mean, I think one of my focuses the past two years has been really trying to improve my ability to elegantly design slender material. I don't, you know, like the lines need to be beautiful. There's a lot more attention paid to those intricate details, the transitions of taper. Like I like that more cerebral because they don't bring as much, they're not as highly valued as a really dramatic twisted or super thick chunky tree but aesthetically they might have more visual intelligence potentially intelligence is a good word yeah 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 i mean i i wouldn't say sophistication but intelligence feels appropriate yeah i i have to say i really resonate mostly with the the a tree that has an attention to line Mm -hmm. whether that means it's a complication or an or simplicity simplicity, yeah i mean like extreme simplicity to the point of abstract i really enjoy trees that just have that line and that real showcase of it your casuarina your casuarina is iconic i think thank you yeah Yeah, thank you i think that is a really well done design piece that is is an interesting discussion of an australian bonsai style and form Mm -hmm. yeah it's been a fun that tree's been fun because it's done multiple things it's and allowed me to develop, uh, I'm saying fairly, and getting a pretty good sound on like a seasonal technical approach to Casuarina. It's allowed me to explore that and within that explore from what an original styling on the tree looked like when I first did the structural setting on it. Mm -hmm. I got a lot of comments that it was really sort of making that tree traditional in terms of its layout, but then exploring, okay, you set that structure to form the basis of how a tree functions and performs mm-hmm. and then how do i let the development process make it casuarina make it casuarina yeah and that's been really fun and it's only now literally in the last week when i last pruned it i've seen i've finally seen that like ah oh, it's casuarina it's interesting like got that nice softness angular pillowy the defining branch moving up yeah really changed a lot now i've got those extra breaks mm-hmm. so this pull down and that yeah. elevation is yeah, it's really stunning. It's a stunning, tree. yeah, it's a stunning tree. And the bark on those is just insane. Yeah. And we have them in, I mean, I don't know what species we have in Florida, but I've never seen anything like what you guys are working with over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, a It's, stunning. it's yeah. a really interesting species. It, it, it's, it's, I find it shocking, to be honest, these discoveries of using these native species, because prior to prior to now, <laughs> there we go, <laughs> Littoralis. Yeah, yeah, literalis. I'm, I'm, like, do you find it, Dave, like, shocking that no one's really worked with them heavily before? Like, seeing what, what starting to work with
3: now. I think that um, I don't know whether people haven't been working on them or they've just been unwilling to put them out there for public consumption. I think there's been a lot of yeah, I there's been a lot too. of people hiding things away. Maybe not hiding them. Hiding them's a the wrong word, but just not forthcoming and sharing them. Mm, um, I wonder. And I think that this is part of that that next wave of. Um, our progression is that uh, change of mindset—that being willing to share information and work mm. in collaboration, and and share our successes and, and failures with each other. It's true, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely feeling that yeah. more. I feel like it was a bit closed off. People are sort of mm.
0: very much of themselves. There's definitely like amazing trees out there, absolutely. Mm. Like, um, but there just doesn't seem to be as as much of like I don't know. It's just seeming really obvious, like to me right now, how how amazing and like everything in them, as a bonsai, is there. You've got incredible bark, incredible well, I think, lines. I think
3: once you um leave, uh, you sort of um leave behind those preconceived notions mm. around what what makes a good bonsai or what makes a good tree. That then you're free to then explore, <laughs> to explore something different. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and just I think again that 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 uh, that dogma has just made things really really. Difficult? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dying. I am. <laughs> just sorry. just let it out. <laughs> I can't <do> it, <laughs> it got
2: in my throat. <laughs> <It> hurt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, break. water break. Got my
2: ass.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's just like now that, now that, um, as you said, those preconceived notions that they can't be used, they'll die, they're not good material. Now that that's, for the most part, I think, been proved incorrect that the floodgates have just opened.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
3: And I think also now people discovering that they can make a living like yourself out of bonsai, mm. that it will encourage more people to get involved, more mm. trees to reproduce, yeah, and then it becomes yeah. a self-perpetuating process. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I think it's fascinating that Australia jumped from, <clears throat> and maybe this is a natural progression thing, because when I think about bone bonsai in the United States, you can see some of the bigger grow facilities that formed for bonsai production on a commercial scale. But Australian bonsai particularly, I think, has a very, it's like... um really passionate practitioner and then there's a commercial notion to what it means to be a bonsai professional but that that really high-level artist Mm. kind of small studio form or um yeah i think focusing on on that really knowledge-based curriculum kind of approach is is something that's evolving in australia Mm. at the moment yeah it's still it's still being worked out the value yeah. of it is starting to be um, appreciated. But, I mean, that's how, that's how the level rises. Like, And the beautiful thing, I think, about Australia is the more exposure that bonsai gets from a public perspective, the infrastructure for beginners to find that material or for people to have stock to be able to get in, involved in the art form is going to be there. And I think it's a professional's job to raise the level of aesthetic expectation. Mm-hmm. Or to set the bar yeah. on on what is possible, yeah. you know. Almost I mean, like I th- an influencer. Absolutely, sort of, I think just role. just yeah. as you know, aspirational work, um, because a professional should be defined by really solid technique. Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> mm. you know horticulture would be ideal, mm. but uh, that really solid technique and ability to to explore aesthetics because yeah. of that technique empowering that yeah. that discovery process. Absolutely. Yeah. And they are hand in hand.
2: Yeah, like, I, I like agree. One
0: comes with the other and the other. But like like what I'm trying to work out like with with my work is like uh, what's really m- given me purpose <laughs> as a bonsai practitioner now is mm-hmm. like sort of gravitating towards that native material and those native trees and literally just realizing that everything you need to discover and find and draw inspiration from is at your doorstep. Mm -hmm. Like I almost see now practicing using Japanese species in another country, such as Australia is an appropriation of bonsai, Mm -hmm. but it is not bonsai because (laughs) bonsai is the practice of creating trees inside that native environment, which is Japan. And so I'm almost... And that's why I sort of called my studio Tree Makers, because I sort of just wanted to jump right out of that name Bonsai and say, this is a place of discovering how you make trees. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. my, My role now I see is like trying to discover what my environment looks like and how I interpret that through the native species, developing aesthetic and technique. Um, how do you, how does that pair with continuing to use some of the more traditional forms and ceramics and stuff like that, mm, mm, you know, mm. like that, that's really, uh, because I, I think it's cool. I think it's very cool what you're doing. And it's like a big conversation right now of how we handle that, that notion of what it's called when it's some, something different than mm. pursuing it in the cultural yeah. influence of Japan. But yeah, and that stems Bo- from because I'm roof. not a fan of categorization of things. I think it a lot of the time confuses the actual point of what you're trying to do. Well, I've long I've long felt like the ceramic vessel is what kind yeah. of mm. keeps it bonsai, mm. right? And mm. then it's like, okay, well, is it ceramic or is it the shape of the ceramic? And you know, that's a really there's probably a lot of debate around that or a lot a lot to be debated around i think one aspect (coughs) is the ceramic being a quiet frame that Mm. that that um, concept yeah is probably the first one to push how can it be something other than the quiet frame right how can it be more a part of the composition yeah yeah Yeah. man i got so much out of listening to mr kobayashi uh talk at this event Mm. because you know there's a question asked about a japanese black pine that moved kind of a slender that tree is beautiful but kind of a slender tree moved from left to right offset to the left in a very deep rectangular pot and when somebody asked about it Mr. Kobayashi said I think this is just an incredible container for this tree because the depth of the container gives the tree the stability to move to the right Mm, mm And I was just like, whoa, mm. what? It's a different mindset, <coughs> isn't it? Well, yeah. you know, and like even, even between the way Mr. Kimura conceptualized the container um, and and I guess like seeing his approach to Mr. Kobayashi's approach and then sort of where I sat kind of considering and wrestling with some of the I- ideas that were a part of my apprenticeship and and tutelage by Mr. Kimura, then there was this whole whole other like angle thrown in when I heard Mr. Kobayashi, you know, voice his opinions about that. That was, it was just really interesting, you know, another angle, another thought process (coughs) and other stuff that I think you definitely have to consider. I mean, the aesthetic is so broad and so wide that's capable of being explored depending on, and I almost see it as like developing that intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can discuss (coughs) what, what what you're trying to say exactly? Yeah, like yeah. what happened was a product of of a vision, not like yeah. we stumbled into yeah. this, you know. But you understand what you've stumbled into. You yeah, can, you can you exactly you can verbalize well, it. That's yeah. how you stumble into something that's visually engaging nine times out of ten, as opposed to one out of ten. Right. Well, like like I, I keep saying this weekend, but if you're consistent. <clears throat> It's legitimate. <laughs> this is true it, it is, this true, is true yeah, consistency yeah. if you do something wild once it's mm. wild if you do something wild 10 times that's your thing it's a style it's cool yeah, yeah it's
3: a style yeah. um <clears throat> so you were saying in terms of telling people a backstory did you say or giving them a background into why you were, the intentionality
0: behind what you're doing no, like having a an understanding of your intentionality. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's the the deliberate choice, yeah, deliberate, yeah, and weird. an understanding of that deliberate choice in the pieces of the composition that had sort of a crossroads moment. You know what? I'd love to see, like, this is this is like bonsai culture becoming very, I guess, more mainstream and more discovered. But is when you can walk into an exhibition or a gallery show of bonsai right, and be able to culturally aesthetically horticulturally scientifically um historically Mm -hmm. analyze the tree like look at a piece and straight away the public's viewpoint is what is this trying to tell me not Uh not like oh that branch shouldn't (coughs) be there but oh isn't that okay that's a really interesting choice why does that work what is this saying um like if it became this saturation of cultural viewpoint around Bonzo to that point where Mm -hmm. you can have that analytical discussion and that's the norm that would be amazing. That would be very, very amazing. Interesting. But I think that that dilution, I mean, not dilution, but concentration of intentionality has to be there yeah. among a really wide range of practitioners, practices, artists, professionals, people, you know. But that would be a, a mega point to get to. Yeah. Yeah, and <clears throat> I almost think it might be more realistic to push that threshold with a really small kind of primed group of people mm-hmm. to start to break into that sort of manner in which the context of the tree mm-hmm. is laid out for mm-hmm. people to interpret a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I I honestly think like um you know, an exhibition that would represent Australia culturally and in terms of the natural aesthetic of the landscape, you know, cultural might be a little risky, right? So yeah, let's yeah, say yeah, yeah. let's say an exhibition that represents the Australian landscape mm-hmm. in a really beautifully designed functional system would be awesome. It would be really it would awesome. be incredible. Yeah.
1: Can we take a second and look at this cliff before it's Oh <laughs> wow. it's about to Get shaded there.
0: Yeah, and that little sliver on the top of those yeah. trees. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh. What's happening here? Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Isn't I just want us to take this in before the sun catches the, that the line man? of the ridge. Yeah. 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 Is this is the, the first time like you've done a mid ground. This first like time you've done a perfection. podcast.
1: Like this. Uh, we have never done a podcast in an environment like this. This is actually magical. There you go.
0: Innovating the this podcast is in Australia. <laughs> is a, this is amazing. We are innovating. <laughs> <laughs> are we innovating podcasts <laughs> as a definition here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Is it, yeah. Is this God. something? If we can only podcast at places like this all the time. <laughs> Next imagine? time you guys come to Australia, <laughs> we'll climb a huge eucalypt and we'll camp. <laughs> <laughs> do a
1: podcast. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just hanging In there. In a raging
0: storm. Can you actually do that? That would be pretty awesome, wouldn't huh. it? Yeah. That'd be amazing. You could get some portal edges. Bring the know? landscape to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Literally. Wow. But this is pretty good. Yeah.
1: It just as the sun is hitting, it's just past yeah. that, and that's about to just start shade the cliff and then S- head into sunset. It's exciting
0: to share this spot with you guys, because like, I've spent a lot of moments here on this really? very cliff contemplating mm. life it's and mm. trees and <coughs> just little problems I've had in life. This has been a spot I've come to a lot. It's wow. Really, it's a beautiful spot. Wow. Yeah, really. Very cool.
1: Oh, on your birthday, too, we get to uh, share yeah, this yeah. magic oh. <laughs>
0: moment. And we met your mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. awesome. Yeah. What an honor. Yeah. Shout out to Carrie Grant. What an <laughs> honor, man. Yes.
1: We're very thankful for her. Yeah. She's created a great human being. She
0: um, called me yesterday and she said, you know, birthdays are a little bit skewed because they're called birthdays and I birthed you. So shouldn't it be my birthday? <laughs> 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 and She goes, didn't you notice when you're a kid, I would always pop a bottle of champagne on your birthday? I was <laughs> like, ah, oh, yeah, it <laughs> makes <laughs> sense now. <laughs> she had a lot of work to, you know, go yeah, through to yeah. bring you like, in the world, dude. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's fine. Like... You you enjoy birthdays a lot, and uh, let's do that then. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. <laughs> works, I like that, that train of thought there. I, know, just, I never thought about it like that. I was like, wow, mom, awesome. Hijacked your birthday a yeah. little bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> got hijacked. It's actually my it's actually way, it's way my day know? here. Yeah.
1: A new type of bonding between mom and like.
3: Yeah. The more kids you have, the more days you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're doing some repotting and styling tonight after this. Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, we've got some tea. What time is our flight leave tomorrow? Like early. <laughs> like, like 6.30 or something. Is when it takes off? I think I'll double check. Um, uh, so we got to be there at 4.30? And uh, thought it was
1: noon or 6.30 at oh, night.
0: Double check. We'll double check. I thought it was early. Huh? I haven't even looked, so.
1: We'll find out.
0: That's kind of how I go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you look when you when you get on when you look. see it. <laughs> I need to, I'll, I'll look before I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I'm going to look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I got about three hours of sleep to go. Mm. All right, I
0: mean, at least you got a does plane it ride. Doesn't you know, I mean, does it even matter at that point? Nope. You're going to a, a flying seat. <laughs> yeah, it's plenty of <laughs> time to a fly- relax huh? <clears throat> a flying seat. I, I, I got crushed. I got crushed on this trip out here. Yeah, I don't nice. know why. Man. Like and, the, and the early wake ups. I yeah, I don't mm. know. I don't think it was the early wake ups. I just couldn't um sleep solidly. Mm. You know, it took like 3 nights to get a single mm. solid through the night sleep in me. And then then you going. And now I'm going <laughs> back. And now I'm going back and last time from Melbourne going back, I uh, I got crushed. So, we'll mm-hmm. see. Mm. Um I was going to ask Marcella mm. In mm-hmm. the May Native Club exhibition in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, her or um, Melaluca won the the mm-hmm. Best of Show. Yeah, her Stephaloides. Yeah. Is that is there a potential that her that that would ever be at the National Collection for a loan or something I mean, like that? Do you know? I I I believe. It would, it would definitely go there. I think the collection would want it. Yeah, it would be up to Marcella. Sure. Yeah, which she's I, super close with that tree. She's, yeah, what she's done with that is just incredible. Yeah, it, wow. it's almost that, like you know, I was saying about that combination of deciduous type technique uh-huh. and elongating cutter sort of technique. It's, it's doing it. Mm. It's doing that because you see that structure, that angular structure, but you have that beautifully balanced pad structure. So much time. time. Mm you can see all the time in the in the branch yeah. branches yeah it's a very sensitive tree <sighs> sensitively constructed I'm so excited to see australian trees be utilized it's happening so many yeah, yeah
1: i'm going to go home and look <laughs> back at the coastal stuff a little bit differently now mm. because I'm coastal
0: coast. is a really big influence i think for australian bonsai culture because yeah. a lot of us live on the coast and a lot of us are influenced by it like we're surrounded by coast there's no Nothing. That like we're absolutely surrounded. Yeah, I think it's a m- big yeah, most people live on the coast. So yeah, yeah, vast majority of the population. So I feel like it's a it's a major aesthetic to jump into the coastal aesthetic. I feel like that's the landscape too. That down in like southern France, southern Italy, mm. there's a lot of wonderful material that comes from the coastal regions. Mm. That really, it, they didn't start using those pieces until they started branching out away from junipers and mm-hmm. pines and mm-hmm. taxis. You know, I mean, I feel like that really yeah. came later on in European yeah. bonsai, the erica, or the, some of the sages and thyme and, and, yeah, just all of the really radical, um, more, mm-hmm. I, you know, and it's like, what do you say about that? Like in the United States exploring the use of, of sagebrush mm-hmm. and its longevity capacity to have longevity but man, what a just fat. I mean, and that's where the beckia mm. is such like, an interesting. They're like brothers, aren't they? The Sage and it, the beckia? It's, it's exactly, yeah. I mean, and they're fascinating mm. when you see them worked as as bone size subjects. But you're just giving the tree. It's on a ticking clock. Yeah, it's just going to It's eventually just going to fall apart. Yeah, 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 exactly. <coughs> but this, like, David, you brought up a real interesting mm. point before, like that they they force you to like constantly deal with disappointment yeah. Disappointment, if you interpret it as disappointment yeah well yeah.
3: accepting loss yeah. and yeah. rebirth and yeah. new opportunities and not getting yeah. too attached
0: and their form yeah. is so set because they grow as such a rigid mm. form like their structure is almost completely set so you really have to go for like creativity is Almost, it's limited, but at the same time, so freeing because you you have to work with the structure that exists and the foliage mass that exists, and mm-hmm. really play off the nuances of the tree, and and think about its integrity, literally, physically. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy we were able to come out here today just to see to get such a a more abundant, I think, and a really intentional look at some some truly well formed, mature, and even potentially ancient mm. Mm. structures underneath these trees that exist in these conditions because what a what a game changer just getting to break it down mm. for a little while mm. it's it's really impressive awesome. i have to come back again Got yeah i need to show you Plenty to show you, yeah. <laughs> to should. Show you. we should. should just one niche <laughs> we'll absolutely the best location for a podcast yet
3: yeah we'll holy take some, cow we'll take
0: some baiting but yeah. Only transport
3: people here to
0: yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll figure something out. Right on. <laughs> it's been good to sit down with you guys. Same. Oh, thanks, thanks for coming. Thanks yeah. having yeah, us.
1: Thanks for having us, <laughs> Hugh. Happy birthday again. Happy Thank birthday, Hugh. <laughs> <to you. laughs> <laughs> I say that three, four times. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man.